The Daily Tap is live for Thursday. We're going to talk about Pat Connaughton's opt-in and what it says about the books and the Giannis culture. We're going to talk last-second draft stuff really quick. Then we will do the Milwaukee Brewers as they had another tough loss. Could not come up in the clutch. We'll have a lot there for the Brewers. And then lastly, we will do an awesome story. Not really awesome, unhinged, more like it, about Shaker's Bar here in Milwaukee to wrap it up with Chuck's Corner. Before we get going, just a reminder, following us on social media. It's been a good social media week for us. Uh, if you were following us on Twitter yesterday, you were hanging out watching Brewers Cardinals. Uh, I had a lot of commentary, including uh, some hot Trevor Kelly takes. So make sure you're following along. You're, you're hanging out with us. As I say, Twitter is a virtual sports bar. And then you have Instagram, TikTok. Uh, we've been killing it with the reels and the different TikTok videos. So make sure you check that out uh, and follow along. Uh, we're having fun on both of those channels. Uh, it's been well received. I, I can't believe that we're almost going to catch uh, tic, our, our TikTok followers are almost going to catch our Instagram followers, which is kind of says a lot to me about where we are with TikTok, but that's a larger social media discussion that's not for this podcast. Uh, also, make sure that you are rating and reviewing and subscribed. And if you are subscribed, I was telling you guys last week that if you share our podcast with a friend, they don't even have to subscribe, right? It could be a significant other too. It could be anybody, right? If you share a podcast and you send me a screenshot on Twitter or Instagram and DM or whatever, and, and I see that, I will Venmo you for a beer. I will buy you a beer. It's a great day to drink here in Milwaukee. You have summer, first day of Summerfest. Brady Street somehow putting on a bike race on the first day of Summerfest. That is a big read the room for me, but whatever. Uh, you you guys do you, I guess. Uh, so it'll be, a, it'll be a good night. The weather is beautiful. Um, so and no reason not to maybe have, a, and the draft too, right? No reason not to have a few cervezas. So why don't you let me buy you a beer if you share this with your friends. So just Venmo, just show me the screenshot. Just say, hey, it's a great podcast. I, I can give you guys a script. If you want a script, let me know. Uh, hit me up on one of the socials. Be like, hey, we need a script. If you need a script, I will do everything for you except to actually share the podcast. All right, let's talk about Pat Content and the, uh, all the other things on today's Daily Tap. Pat Connaughton opted in yesterday. Uh, it was reported by the snake that's known as Woj. Uh, and it was pretty surprising. I don't think anyone really expected Pat Connaughton to opt in. Uh, people thought that he would decline. He would try to get a bigger deal. Still from the Milwaukee Bucks. I, I don't think anyone thought the Milwaukee Bucks wouldn't re-sign Pat Connaughton. But if Pat Connaughton had opted out, a la P.J. Tucker, of the Miami Heat, I think you would have seen a lot of teams that were rumored to pursue Pat Connaughton, whether it would be the Dallas Mavericks, the Boston Celtics, I think, would have interest. I would imagine the Lakers maybe would sniff around. Who knows, right? Um, but I think any the Sixers, if they're looking for guard or wings like they are with P.J. Tucker, maybe the Sixers, the Nets have expressed interest in P.J. Tucker. I think you would basically see the exact same thing with Pat Connaughton because he is a playoff player. We saw what Pat Connaughton did in the NBA Finals, and Pat Connaughton was a genesis for why the Milwaukee Bucks won the 2021 NBA Finals. Yes, Giannis is the headline. Yes, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday are also right there, but the next guy is Pat Connaughton. Pat Connaughton was, I believe, the fourth best player in that playoff run, and maybe in the real dog days of summer, we could go through that again and, and evaluate who mattered the most, but I do think that Pat was right up there, and Pat getting this 
Pat opting in and not sort of basically getting all these rumors and everything else just to me speaks to Giannis Antetokounmpo and the culture that the Bucks are building. First of all, I think everyone wants to play with Giannis Antetokounmpo. You want to play with the best player in basketball, all right? And that has been the case since Jordan. I think it has grown since Jordan. I think really the best example of that was the Laker team in 2004, right? When you had Carl Malone and Gary Payton join that team. And it, people kind of forget how good that team was when they were fully healthy. Uh, Gary Payton talked about that on Ryan Rosillo's show. Uh, and I don't know what Gary, Gary Payton's persona non grata here in Milwaukee, but still like those that was the first in, real instance of this, and it's continued. You have guys who've played with LeBron. You have had guys that play with Steph Curry, right? Otto Porter took less money, and I think the Bucks were actually a team who was interested in Otto Porter, and I think would have paid Otto Porter more, but he took the lesser deal to go play with the Warriors and play with Steph Curry, and it worked out for Otto Porter. He now has a ring, and who knows? Maybe he's able to cash out, or he's able to kind of bounce around and kind of keep going ring hunting, or rejoin the Warriors this season. Who knows, right? So the fact is, is that there are always going to be those guys. And there are guys that are within your organization that are going to take less money for the greater good. You saw Bobby Portis do it last year. It was a complete selfless act. And we'll talk about Bobby in a second here. But I, I think that Pat Connaughton is doing something similar. Now, there's a potential extension that Pat Connaughton could get they think would be up to $12 million per year, be a four-year deal. It'd be a pretty lucrative contract for Pat Conson, but I think it would be worth it. And I know some Bucks fans might cringe. I mean, who could forget how we all reacted when Pat Conson got that deal in the first place? I didn't pull up my tweets. Um, I should have actually and had been ready for the podcast, and maybe you guys can if you want. But I think we all thought it was a little bit too much money. I think we all knew that it was a little bit of a sweetheart deal at the time because he was one of Giannis's friends. But I do think that culture matters. And I think that the fact the Bucks are building a culture is really important to this. And I think culture guys can outweigh sometimes the athleticism. But now, I don't, I'm not discrediting Pat's athleticism because he's certainly athletic and everything like that. But I do think that people discount what Pat is to the Milwaukee Bucks. And what Pat is, is he's a guy who definitely, you know, provides a scoring option off the bench. He might not win sixth man of the year, but he is a really valuable seventh or eighth guy. He can defend multiple positions. He can get hot and get going for the Bucks from three. He can also drive the lane. I think he actually doesn't do it as much as he used to. Um, I would definitely like to see that more from Connaughton this year. Uh, I felt like he settled a little bit too much from three, but that's okay, right? And he fits in with Giannis. He fits in with Chris Middleton. He fits in with Drew Holiday. He's a guy that is very interchangeable. You can put him with the starters, but you can also have him come off the bench. And I think he's better off the bench, but he's a guy who, if you need a starter, he can be there. And Pat Codson, to me, is a buck for life. He's a guy that I think you can have in Milwaukee until Giannis is done. I think he he is a vital contributor. I don't know if his athleticism will go as he gets a little bit older, but we have a couple years left, right? He's 29. I mean, he's not like, he's not yet at the tail end of his career. So if you do 
give him a four-year deal. I would be a little bit hesitant about that last year. But usually you can get yourself out of that. And maybe by year four, Pat Connaughton is just a corner three-point assassin. And that's all Pat Connaughton really is. And he just kind of hangs out in the corner. You see guys who can just shoot threes last forever, right? And I don't think Pat's at that level just yet. But who knows, right? You have time and you can kind of understand that your body changes. And I think he's also a workout warrior. Like he's a guy that takes care of his body and really makes sure that everything is in check. And I think that's great. And I and I also think lastly about Pat, I think you have to understand that the Milwaukee Bucks have guys who want to be in Milwaukee. And if you think about where we were in the 90s, you think about where we were in 2000s, even shit, like right before Giannis or right as Giannis is beginning his career, there were not guys that wanted to be here. And I think that matters so much. And you want guys who need to be here. They don't need to invest in the city like Pat has done, but it adds a cherry on top. And Pat has invested in the city. I think we all like to give him shit for it as we're kind of busting his balls as fans, right? Whether it's, you know, oh, you got some real estate hush money or this, this, that, and the other got taken care of for you. Um, so back-end deals. But it's it's all fun. It's all in good fun. It's not, it's it's definitely in jest. But the Bucks have really built a culture with guys like Connaughton. And Giannis is the precipice of it. Giannis leads from the front. He's not a guy that you know, basically doesn't play. He always comes to work. It doesn't matter if it's the fucking Thunder or it's the Celtics. It's going to be 100% every game. And I think Giannis has done a better job of not being as serious at times. Like I think, I do think maybe he went a little bit to the other side. So I'll be curious to see how much they value the regular season this this year. Because I do think we learned it matters just slightly more. I think we were a little bit nonchalant about it all year. And that'll be, I think, a talking point for not only myself, but also for other Bucks fans as we get closer to that season. But the Bucks have their era. Their era is right in front of them. Just like the Spurs had it with the Duncan era, right? Just like the Lakers had it with Shaq and Kobe. Just like LeBron has had it with his multiple eras. Like I think like it's anthologies, right? It's like volume one, two, and three for his different stops. So, and this is now the chance for Giannis. Now, do you need more than one championship to really make it an era and maybe do the dynasty? The Warriors, by the way, of course, also are in their own era. Yes, I think the word dynasty has been twisted and turned so much that I don't even want to use it. But the era of Giannis is right here. And Pat Conton is a vital contributor to that era and making that era better. So to have Pat Conton back is a joy and he's a guy that I believe is part of the Bucks culture and the larger thing that the Bucks are doing. Real quickly on the other offseason stuff, I think Bobby Portis at some point is going to sign. I think it will happen before free agency. I think he's could be the Bucks could pay him up to $49 million, uh, probably worth four years. I think that deal will happen in the next week. I know nothing. I don't have any sources on that, but I just think that it's going to happen sooner rather than later. We'll see what they do the rest of the way, right? Will they make a trade tonight? And will they trade off Grayson Allen, whether to move up or will they trade the pick away altogether to get somebody like a Harrison Barnes or a Kyle Kuzma? Um, definitely 
are are potential rumors, not necessarily flying in the air, but things that Bucks Twitter has drafted up. Um, the one rumor that the Bucks were looking to move up was really interesting. It kind of didn't go anywhere. Um, Frank Madden pointed out uh, that the Bucks really haven't moved up in their franchise. It's not really a franchise motto. But as the Bucks have struggled in the NBA draft for the last, gosh, I don't know, uh, or maybe our entire decade, maybe since Giannis, uh, the Bucks have just been a disaster in terms of drafting. I think we've done a podcast on that before. Maybe John Horst is like, well, how can we fix this? What can we do differently? And someone's like, well, sir, if we trade up, like, we could maybe actually get the guy that we really want. And, and who knows? Who knows what these draft boards have looked like? And so maybe they're moving up for Jalen Williams. And that, to me, would be the guy, right? And I talked about him a lot yesterday on Tabby the Keg. You can go back and listen to that. But I, I think that if they are going to move up to 14, which was the rumor, uh, it will be for Jalen Williams. And Jalen Williams will be the guy that the Bucks take at that spot and use Grayson Allen as part of it. Um, it's interesting the Cavs want to trade out. I guess, to their point, they have enough young guys, maybe. That's why they want to trade out. I personally would see it as like, all right, we have a chance to add yet another contributor, especially if it's like a Jalen Williams type. Like, I think Jalen Williams would be a better version of Karis LeVert. I don't know if you can get him to start right away, but I, I, I kind of don't know why the Cavs are trading out. But if they do, more power to them. And I'll be curious if there's a lot of like late, late smoke about you know, Jalen Duran probably going in the first or in the top 10 and mate potentially uh, Mark Williams even going into the top 10. And if that happens, then guys fall and also Williams could fall and they could be at 14 and look at it and be like, oh, I don't know, Dyson Daniels is available. I don't think it'd be that far, but maybe like Usman Dang, right? That would be a better example. Like Usman Dang's available. And then, and do we draft him instead of trading out of the pick? We'll see, we'll see what happens. I'm not going to do too much on the draft, right? Because we have a couple hours before it. I'm going to try to get on tonight to do a draft recap. Uh, we'll see. I'm going to be at Summerfest. Uh, so we'll see how uh, the BAC is and see if I can uh, rally for you guys. As I hate doing these late morning podcasts. They, they just screw up my entire day. But that's another story for another time. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Brewers and move to another sport. As for the Brewers last night, the Brewers lost again to the St. Louis Cardinals 5-4. It was a great game. Like, it was just a fun game to watch. Sucks they lost, but I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, was definitely dialed in. Uh, the Brewers took a 4-3 lead. was looking good. Lowry to get through one more inning, and he couldn't. He gave up a home run to Nolan Arenado, and in our three takes now, we are going to talk about Eric Lauer's home run issue, but I actually have a defense of that. And then we'll talk about Trevor Kelly, but before that, we will talk about the clutch hitting. So the Brewers are 1-for-20 with runners in scoring position in this, in this series. That is not going to get it done. That's not going to get it done against contenders. I saw on the phone with my dad yesterday and was telling him that I'm having a harder and harder time believing this team can be anything in the month of October when they continue to struggle against good teams. And this has been a theme throughout the year, right? They lost two out of three to the New York Mets recently. They are, if they lose today, they've lost three out of four to the St. Louis Cardinals. That'd be a pretty bad indication that this team is for real. And I know it's a long season. I know we got a long way to go. But if you remember back in March when I previewed the Brewers, I told you, I said, look, the NL Central is not going to be good. I didn't even think the Cardinals would be good, but they are good and they are worth talking about. And they are a quote unquote contender in my eyes. I think any team 
who's above 500 and they have a good run differential should be thrown into the contender bucket. Now, I think there's other tiers of contenders, but we don't need to get into semantics. And I said on that podcast, like, oh, look, you need to prove that you can beat teams other than the Reds, Pirates, and Cubs. You have to prove that. You have to make sure that you can beat other teams and not just beat up on the doldrums. And if you can't, you're basically like every other AL and NL Central. Well, AL Central is the example of the last few years where you saw this with the White Sox last year, right? The White Sox had a great record, one of the better teams in the American League. But the reason why is because they got fat on their division. The division was absolutely trash and the White Sox took advantage of that. And that was what I assumed the Brewers would do because I didn't think the Cardinals would be very good. Well, the Brewers are still taking advantage of that division. You know, they're they're doing it against the Cincinnati Reds. They're doing it against the Pirates, the Cubs, whatever. Um, but the Cardinals are a little bit more of a competition. And so when the lights have gotten bright for the Brewers, they haven't stepped up. And it seems to be just the same thing over and over again. It seems like we get hit in the dick every time. And the Brewers can't come through with clutch hitting. And that is an issue, Right. And I saw something interesting from Tim Muma. Oh, God, this was like a week ago, maybe? Uh, two weeks? Yeah, it was about a week ago. But I've, I've consistently thought about it. And Tim, I think, writes for Brewer Fanatic. I hopefully I got that right. But anyways, he made a comment. I wrote a thing about how the Brewers are very patient at the plate. That the Brewers' approach is to take walks, to basically get on base and make stuff happen You know, from there. But if the Brewers are getting on base and not getting the clutch hits, what good is that? What good does that do you, right? And he made the point that the Atlanta Braves are like tops in chase rate. So they they just go after the baseball. They just attack the baseball. But they're also one of the top teams in scoring runs. The Braves are 16 and 3 in the month of June. And the Braves just keep attacking you. That you cannot basically breathe because Every pitch you throw could be a ball that's hit in the air. And I think the Brewers need to be more aggressive. At at what point do the Brewers look at this and say, this is obviously not working? Like how much, how long do the Brewers have to go before they look at this and say, all right, we need to change something immediately. Like there has to be immediate change for what we're trying to do. Because yeah, this is this has been a consistent problem for this baseball team. And they don't seem to want to fix it. And I, I don't really understand why, uh, but it's it's been a problem for the Brewers and hopefully they will fix it. And if not, it's, again, it's going to be hard to believe. They're going to need to do something in the next couple months where I really look at it and say, all right, I can believe this team. But I have, I'm yet there. I'm not there yet. I would say my believe button is probably pretty low. Uh, I'd put it right now at a two or a three when it comes to actually being a World Series threat. Other takes. So defensive Eric Lauer and his home runs. So Eric Lauer has given up eight home runs in his last three outings. That is tied with Steve Sparks and Hideo Nomo uh, for the most in a span for the Brewers. Uh, oh, and Corbin Burns. Uh, that was from Adam McAlvey yesterday. I, I quote tweeted that. I was like, not every day you get a Steve Sparks or Hideo Nomo reference, uh, but you did. And that's not great company to be in. Neither of those guys were good that year. And Lauer has regressed, all right? The, the, the start for Lauer was probably a little bit over his skis. His FIP was a little higher where you could see the regression happening. The regression is here, but 
I do think that the home run stuff is a little bit distorted. Number one, he played one of those games was in Cincinnati in, in a hot summer day. That is a bandbox of a stadium. That is not a stadium where you want to be a fly ball pitcher. And that hurts Lauer. Also, he was playing in the at the National Stadium. Now, the National Stadium is more of a hitter's park, but they do have some guys who can kill lefties, such as Nelson Cruz, right? I think the Nationals are less defensible than the other two. The St. Louis Cardinals are one of the best teams against left-handers. And the reason why is Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, who both took Eric Lauer deep. And I think that those are all reasons why I wouldn't freak out So basically, I expected the regression to happen, but I don't think it's this bad. I think that Eric Lauer now is dealing with teams that are really good against lefties, and he hasn't yet figured that out. And I think he should really look back at what he did against the Philadelphia Phillies. The Phillies are another team that's pretty good against left-handers. I would study that. I would be watching that film and be like, what did I do there, and how can I get better? So Eric Lauer, thankfully, doesn't have to play the Blue Jays, who are also very good against lefties. He'll get his next chance against the Tampa Bay Rays with an environment that, you know, keeps homers in. So hopefully Eric Lauer can figure figure it out, right the ship, and be all right. Because the Brewers desperately need him without Brandon Woodruff or Freddie Peralta. And definitely he has failed that thus far. Uh, but hopefully you get Woodruff back and then Lauer kind of goes to maybe that third or fourth guy in terms of Brewer's importance in the pitching staff. Lastly, Trevor Kelly. So I freaked out on Twitter, uh, tapping the keg, by the way, uh, that Trevor Kelly was coming in in the eighth inning in a one-run game. They decided not to go with Devin Williams. Now, Trevor Kelly was going to face Bo Goldschmidt. He was going to face Nolan Arenado. I was like, all right, we're going to lose this game. Uh, I was texting with Mitch, and Mitch turned off the game. He's like, I turned it off. And Trevor Kelly was able to not only get Arenado and Goldschmidt out, he struck out Goldschmidt, but he also struck out five batters through two innings. It was awesome. It just an awesome reaction after it. I have to give Trevor Kelly a lot of credit, right? I shit on him. I think we all look at Trevor Kelly as the human white flag. And Trevor Kelly came in in a high leverage situation and got it done. Now, I'm not ready to be like, all right, Trevor Kelly is their next great middle reliever. But I, that's at least a optimistic view, a glass half full of, of yesterday's game. I mean, Andrew McCutcheon also is another guy you could look at and say, all right, here's a reason to be optimistic. Could be a vital part of this, this Brewer bullpen. I'm not ready to go that far. Well, that's why I say could, right? He could come in against you know Toronto this weekend and give up two homers to Vladdy and Bo Bichette, and then this thing doesn't matter. And then it's like, all right, Trevor Kelly is who we thought he was, right? But I at least will say this is encouraging. I will tone down my Trevor Kelly hate by a couple notches. Um, so good shift from him. So see what happens against uh, the Cardinals today. You have Hudson versus Alexander, and we'll talk about it on Friday's show, as well as get ready for Brewers and Blue Jays, which should be an awesome series, which I'm very excited for. And we'll talk about that on tomorrow's show. All right, lastly, to wrap up today's show with Chuck Scorner, we are going to do a dramatic reading of what's going on at Shaker Cigar Bar. So give you guys a little bit of background if you're not Milwaukee residents or you don't know of Shakers, which I would recommend. It's a good spot if you are a cigar person. Shakers is a cigar bar in Walker's Point. It's been around forever. It's apparently haunted by ghosts. They do a ghost tour. It's a thing to do kind of during Halloween. 
And apparently, they are owned by an unhinged owner. So this is an email that was shared on Milwaukee's Reddit page, and I will read it to you now, and I will stop with my own personal commentary as we go on. Dear staff of Friday, April 22nd, after the escapades of Friday night, we have lost a chef and a food program. I hope you're happy with how you treated my business. All right, first of all, that is a hell of a way to start an email. Without a food program, we are a shadow of what was the most prominent venues in the Midwest with a hard-earned reputation for extraordinary food beyond your shallow minds will accept, which we have been in, in existence for almost four decades, certainly before any of you have been alive. All right, let's stop there. First of all, no one's going to Shakers for food. I haven't met one person that's been like, hey, let's go and have a slice at Shakers. You're there to smoke cigars. You're not really there to go eat food. And, and I don't know if it's prominent. Like, I think Shakers is a place that, yeah, if you're like what to do in Milwaukee, you mention it, but not a lot of people are smoking cigars, right? Like, that's just kind of, that's just kind of what it is. Like, I, I think that more and more people are going to like breweries than they are cigars, but whatever, here and there. All right, the email continues. Anyone who needs a lesson in how we treated this in Vietnam, have the balls to look me up. Hargo! First of all, who the fuck's bringing up Vietnam in our 2022? Brother in Christ, that was 50 years ago. Like, who who brings up Vietnam? I mean, we are we fought multiple wars since then. Like, if you're like, hey, look me up in Kosovo. Look me up in Iraq. Look me up in Afghanistan. All right, that holds some water. But Viet fucking Nam, dude? What are we doing here? As sales drift to a third without a food program of what they have been, you only have yourself to blame for being undisciplined children. Okay. <laughs> That's like, I mean, what disrespect. Uh, that is just crazy. Uh, I, I can't believe that an owner would call their staff children, but here we are. If this was an environment other than a post-pandemic scene, any and all of you who partied on my dime until 5.40 a.m. would be out of a job. Yes, all of you. So we get to the crux of the story. They were partying at Shakers until about sunlight. And you I think you've heard of this. I've never really been someone who's been in the service industry. Uh, but it's definitely common that you'll have a few drinks after work. And yeah, they had a post party and got turned up. And and yes, they probably drank some liquor that was not theirs, right? Now, in my opinion, if I, you know, were wanting to make this right and be like, hey, we donated 50 bucks or we, we just said this is a $100 tab. It might have been less. It might have been more. But it, it wasn't maybe the smartest move. But hey. People are kids and whatever. You're just like, all right, this doesn't happen again. Maybe you suspend a few people. There's a lot better ways to handle this. This has been exacerbated by the small-minded, reluctant children who were last here. So I, I don't I don't really understand that part. Uh, we'll just move on. Yeah, I think he's just trying to use big words and fucking 75-cent words to really enforce how mad he is. This last part is great. As it is... You should not be surprised if my Serbian or Cuban collection agents do not do not find you anytime, anywhere in the next year and dangle you from a tall building. You have cost the business and you and you deserve to pay the price and you shall. You're all replaceable and the process has now begun. Okay, this is a legit fucking threat. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> like, I don't mean to be, like, dramatic, but that is a threat. And we have Serbian agents here in Milwaukee? So basically, we are Barry? Does, do we have a Noho Hank who lives here in Milwaukee? Like, if we do, I don't necessarily want to ever get myself involved, but I just would like to meet him. Like, if there's a guy who has the personality of Noho Hank, like, I definitely want to meet that guy. And then I didn't realize we had a Cuban con- connection here. Now, this makes sense, because at Shakers, you can get Cuban cigars. So, of course, that must make sense. But that's a legit fucking threat. <laughs> like, someone could go to the Milwaukee PD and be like, hey, my owner just threatened me. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. That is wild. That is a wild story. Um, he's probably going to find I don't think Shakers will be doing any advertising with Tapping the Keg after that one. But, yeah, I, I couldn't believe that story. Uh, a, few, a few friends of mine asked about it, too. And I, I had to do it as the as part of the podcast. So I had fun with that. Hope you guys enjoy that. Let me know too if you enjoyed that. Uh, we can I every now and again I find stuff like that that's pretty ridiculous that can definitely read whether it's from the East Side Facebook group, Reddit, things like that. Um, that we can definitely add commentary and add footnotes to whatever they're saying. So hope you guys enjoyed today's show. We're we'll back tomorrow. Uh, with a draft recap, hopefully I can get it up uh, tonight and not get too t- tuned up at Summerfest or out and about. If you're going to be out at Summerfest, let me know. Uh, we'll try to do a review from Summerfest, which will probably be our greatest challenge. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a great Thursday. Enjoy the draft. And we'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.